0: It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others so that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. The ancient feasts of the Lord have all been fulfilled in Jesus, but there is still future fulfillment that we will see. Today, Pastor J.D. spends some time sharing with us the prophetic nature of the Feast of Passover. This feast began with the death of a physical lamb and culminated with the death of the Lamb of God, Jesus. Now, Don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on Resurrection Sunday, April 12, 2020. So
1: on this very different Resurrection Sunday celebration, I want to do something a little bit different and talk to you today about the Passover prophecy. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most fascinating and intriguing prophecies in all of the Bible, the Passover would be at the top of the list. And the reason is because the Passover was a prophecy pointing to and fulfilled by Jesus Christ vis-a-vis the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is what we're celebrating today. The Passover is actually the first of seven feasts. This is a a fascinating study if you wanted to uh, do this on your own. The seven feasts of the Lord given to Israel is found in the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. When we were studying through the Bible and were in Leviticus, we actually did a seven week series on these seven feasts and the prophetic significance of these feasts. And what's interesting is that in the original language of the Hebrew Old Testament, the word for feast is actually the same in my native tongue of Arabic. It's the word mo'ad. And mo'ad is a very interesting word because it carries with it the idea of a pointing to an appointed time, or even an appointment yet future that will be met and fulfilled. So, for example, if I were to say to you in my native tongue of Arabic, "Ana andi mo'ad ma'akum, what I just said was that I have an appointment, mo'ad, with you. So it means a pointing to an appointed time, a sign that points to a yet future fulfillment. And that's what these feasts were, Mo'ad, And It's for this reason that the seven feasts all point to and are fulfilled by Jesus Christ, both at His first coming and then also at the rapture and His second coming. If you don't mind, I'd like to go through these with you very quickly. And by the way, at the conclusion of the live stream, we're going to have a PDF file that will be uploaded to our website. You can download it, print it out. It has in sort of a spreadsheet format the charts listing the scriptural reference, and the parallels, the feasts, their fulfillment. And so all of that will be available at the conclusion of our time together today. So starting with the Passover, the Passover feast was a type of and a prophecy fulfilled in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The second feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the burial of Jesus Christ. The Feast of First Fruits is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Feast of Pentecost is the church age or fulfilled at the birth of the church on that day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. So the first four of the seven feasts have already been fulfilled, leaving the last three, which are in order, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this is where it gets interesting. There's a lot of debate about these particular feasts and their fulfillment, I am personally of the belief that the feast of trumpets is a fulfillment yet future when the church is raptured and it is also the beginning of the tribulation. Now I realize there are those who say that well these are feasts for Israel and you can't say that the rapture has to happen on the Feast of Trumpets. And that's true because you then start uh, dismantling and disrupting the doctrine of imminence. But it's important to understand that in Scripture there are two trumpets. One trumpet is the trumpet of God, and that's for the church. The other trumpet is the trumpet of angels, and that is for Israel. So it is my belief that the trumpet will be the rapture of the church, and then it will also commence the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. And then the next feast is the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, and I believe that is fulfilled in the second coming. And then lastly, the Feast of Tabernacles, or booths, is the kingdom age, the millennial reign here on earth and then subsequently eternity future. Now it's interesting to note that this order parallels the divine order outlined in the book of Revelation, specifically Revelation chapter 1 verse 19 where John is told by Jesus to write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this, metatauta in the Greek. So you go to the book of Revelation, you have this beautiful divine outline, past, present, and future. Chapter one is past. Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected. Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Chapters 2 and 3, present. We are living now in the church age. We are living now in chapters 2 and 3 Of the book of Revelation. Seven letters to seven churches. And that's where we are presently in human history and church history. And what's interesting is that in those first three chapters of the book of Revelation, the word church is mentioned 19 times. From chapter 4 verse 1 on, the word church is not found. And there's a reason for that, because everything from chapter 4, verse 1, is yet future, metatauta, after these things. After what things? After the things of church history. At the end of the church age, in chapter 4, verse 1, John, at the sound of a trumpet, is told to come up hither. He is taken up, raptured up, if you prefer, to heaven where he is now shown and it's revealed to him. And he writes everything that will take place at the end of the church age and the rapture of the church. And then when you get to chapter 6 through 19, you have the seven year tribulation. And then at the end of the seven year tribulation is the fulfillment of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when the whole house of Israel gets saved, as Paul writes to the church in Rome. Chapter 20 in the book of Revelation is the second coming and the millennium, the Feast of Tabernacles, and then chapters 21 and 22, the new heavens and the new earth. This is eternity future. I want to take it a step further. I hope I'm not getting too um, muddied in all of the information and details, but I actually am going somewhere with this, because there are stunning prophetic parallels concerning Israel in Exodus and Israel during the seven-year tribulation. Please, please, please know that the purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. The church is not here. The church is removed before the tribulation begins. So what I want to do is just kind of quickly go through some of these prophetic parallels between what happened in Exodus and what yet future will happen in the seven-year tribulation as recorded in the book of Revelation. In Exodus, Israel is enslaved. In Revelation, Israel is afflicted. In Exodus, Israel is oppressed and deceived by Pharaoh. And in Revelation, Israel is attacked and deceived by the Antichrist. In Exodus, There are two representatives, Moses and Aaron. In Revelation, two witnesses. Some believe will be Moses and Elijah. In Exodus, Israel cries out to God and he hears. In Revelation, Israel cries out to God at the end of the seven year tribulation and he hears. In Exodus, Israel flees to the wilderness. In Revelation, Israel flees to Petra in modern day Jordan, and actually for the last three and a half years God will protect Israel, His people, for the last three and a half years of the seven year tribulation. In Exodus, Israel is delivered. In Revelation, Israel is saved. And then lastly, and this is what I want to talk about more in just a moment, The plagues come down as God's judgment, and in Revelation the wrath is poured out as God's judgment. So when you start looking at these plagues, it's even more interesting, the similarities with the plagues that came down on Egypt. And by the way, Egypt is a type in Scripture of the world So the parallels between the plagues that came down on Egypt and the plagues, the judgments that will be poured out in the book of Revelation during the seven year tribulation. The first plague, and by the way, these were all deity specific. And what I mean by that is all of these plagues that struck, struck at gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And the first one was the Nile River. They worshiped the Nile River, the God of the Nile River, and it became blood, Exodus 7.20. We see this in Revelation chapter 8, chapter 11, and chapter 16. The next plague, and I want to uh, distinguish, it's the plague of frogs, not farogs. I know my dad was born in Egypt. This is not frogs. This is frogs, <laughs> Exodus chapter eight, verse six. And while it's not specifically frogs, it does connect with Revelation sixteen verse thirteen. The next plague was lice, Exodus eight twenty four. That's Revelation eleven six. The next plague was flies, Exodus nine six. That is also Revelation 11.6. The next one was, and this is interesting, the food source, livestock, was all destroyed, Exodus 9.6. In Revelation it's chapter 8 verse 9. The next one was the plague of boils, Exodus 9.10. That's Revelation 16.2. Uh, the next one was the plague of hail. Very destructive. Exodus 9.23. That's Revelation eight seven and 16.21. Then, and this is interesting too, there was the plague of locusts. Exodus 10.3. Now in Revelation 9.3 we have this judgment coming down. I just read a report this last week where this swarm of locusts is actually growing and leaving a wake of devastation wherever it goes. Then the ninth plague was the plague of darkness. This is in Exodus 10.22 and that's Revelation 8.12, nine two and 16.10. And again, this will be available on our website. You can download that. And I would really encourage you, be a Berean, search the Scriptures yourself and see if what I am saying is true. Now why am I going into all of this? Because all of that which took place in Egypt at that time led to ultimately this tenth plague, this final plague which was the death of the all-important first begotten son. It's recorded in Exodus 12. Why do I say all-important first begotten son? Because in the Middle East to this day, the son, the firstborn son is so important. That is the heir. That is the one, that first begotten son that carries on the family name. Actually in the uh, Middle East, in my Arab culture, it is a great honor to address the father by the name of his firstborn son. My given name is Wahid. JD is a nickname. It stands for Jesus' disciples. It's actually a legal, AKA. But my given name is Wahid. Wahid in Arabic means one first begotten. The numbers one through five are one, two, three, four, five. So in other words, I'm the first begotten son. My father, very educated man, was greatly honored whenever he would be addressed, Abu Wahid, which means the father of Wahid, the first begotten son. My firstborn son, his name is Elias. You pay me great honor, actually even greater honor, addressing me, at least in my culture, not as pastor, but as Abu Elias, the father of Elias. So this is the first born son, and this was the final plague, the final one that would lead to Pharaoh, I mean, not just letting them go, but chasing them out and getting them out because of this tenth and final plague. Very interesting, because it would be the Father who so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, That whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is where the Passover, the profound Passover prophecy comes into play. It is fulfilled by the only begotten Son of God, Jesus the Christ, at His first coming. And this is why we celebrate the communion celebration, which we will again hear at the conclusion of our time. I want to share with you two thoughts. That was uh, this last week (laughs) in my time with the Lord, just, uh, how do I say it? I was feeling sorry for myself. There I said it. Just this morning before we started the live stream, I just, took a walk around our beautiful church property here and just me and the Lord, just talking to the Lord and sort of complaining, but of course we don't call it complaining. As pastors we call it lamenting. It sounds so much more spiritual. Just kind of crying out to the Lord saying, Lord, this is, um, I I just miss the fellowship of the body of believers and those here locally. I I can't even begin to tell you how much I, I miss you. And it's just not the same. So anyway, before I smudge my mascara, I don't wear mascara. I just... So I'm talking to the Lord about this, and saying, Lord, this is... Uh, This is going to be a hard Resurrection Sunday celebration. And he just kind of ministered to me two thoughts that sort of settled my heart, and I want to share them with you. First, concerning Israel. This is interesting. It's the first time that the Jews have been ordered to stay in their homes on Passover since it was instituted in Exodus chapter 12, when the Israelites were enslaved there in Egypt. The first time that they were in lockdown, as it were. The second thought concerning the church is that this is the first time in our lifetime. It might even be, and I could be wrong, but it's the first time in church history, that the churches are empty on the day that we celebrate the tomb being empty. And for those who have gone to Israel, I know many of you have with us over the years, and I think you would agree that one of the most powerful experiences when you go to Israel is when you walk into that garden tomb. And I mean, we, we, in Hawaii, we call it chicken skin. On the mainland, it's goosebumps, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, it just is, it is so powerful because the tomb is empty. He's not there, He is risen. He defeated death all of the wrath, all of the judgment, all of the plagues fulfilled in the resurrection of the only begotten Son of God and on this day. And I believe that not only has this been the likes of which we have never seen in human history, I also believe we will never see anything like this again in human history as well. But God, don't you just love those two words? I know I do. They change everything. But God, as only He can, is using this crisis to bring more people to Him in this, the last hour of human history as we know it.
0: Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need. To live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's prophecy update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this prophecy update from Pastor JD. As I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this Prophecy Update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.